Hey everybody, I'm Brooke and I sobered up August 2nd, 2016. Hi friends, I'm Suzanne and I sobered up December 19th, 1991. Together we got a lot of recovery and we host Seek Purpose, the podcast. Seek Purpose is a community that supports recovery, healing, and spiritual growth. We believe that sharing our stories can greatly impact our communities and collective action can impact the world. So stop scrolling and start listening, will ya? Hey everybody, I'm Brooke. Hi friends, I'm Suzanne. And this is Seek Purpose, the podcast. Today we are on screen with Elise and her son, Jacob. Elise is is the co-founder of, um, sorry, The Sober Curator, which actually just came out with the coolest talk show for recovery. They just launched their pilot episode. We're so excited to have you here. Do you want to introduce yourself to our audience? Yeah, my name is Elise, uh, and my sobriety date is May 1st, 2006, and uh, myself and a friend launched The Sober Curator this past summer, and we did have our pilot episode of our sober talk show. We haven't figured out what it is yet, um, but it launched yesterday on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube. It's so good. I actually was like so impressed with how you did that I laughed I giggled and I'm like oh my gosh I have already ideas of I know what you guys will have guests coming on that um offer so much the sober community and I just can't wait so to give us a little hint of somebody that's coming up on one of your episodes Ooh, I don't know that we've gotten that far in the planning but I'm glad to hear you say that you liked it because my sister was like it's too long no one's gonna watch that and I was like girl you're not my demo so it's fine just go back to the go back to Bryson who's my nephew and just we're good um but uh yeah it's gonna morph and evolve into a bunch of things I mean I think you guys will probably come on at some point don't you think yeah, yeah, for sure. yeah. We're there. <laughs> I mean, given the fact that we match now and everything. Oh, yes. I mean, of course. And we might have to have these girls come on to life apparel we and just the, the dances. Cause I, I don't, <laughs> it's so hard to keep up with all that stuff. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we'd love to hear a little bit about your journey, especially it's family day here in BC. So we're really, really excited that you brought your son on board today. Um, can we get a little bit about what it was like before you got sober and um, what life is like now in recovery for both of you? Yeah. Um, so I started drinking at the age of 16 and I got pregnant with Jacob when I was 20 um, and I had him when I was 21. And um, I really thought that having a baby would somehow magically like fix everything because I was kind of a train wreck. Uh, a lot of things had happened between 16 and 20. Um, some pretty traumatic, some self-induced. Um, but I really thought, okay, if I have this baby, like somehow that's going to like write everything, it'll be a clean slate. And it's like, I don't really know why that made sense because I couldn't really take care of myself. And here I thought I was going to like take care of another human being. Um, but in many ways it is what saved me. Um, I just didn't get sober right after having him. I pretty much spent my entire twenties, um, compartmentalizing everything and like I was the PTA mom and going to the private Christian school where my mom was a teacher and dropping him off and doing all those good mom things but then I was also like hanging out the dive bar in town and hanging out with very questionable people so um I let I led that double life for as long as I could and things would happen and then things would get really bad and I would like swear it off or slow down and then things would get a little bit better again so then I'd just kind of get right back at it 
but I never drank like a normal person that I do know. And so when I was 30, I woke up one day and we were living in Centralia, which is where I grew up. It's my hometown. And I just didn't want to be there anymore. And I, um, I worked for the local newspaper. So I thought, well, I'll just move to Seattle. Jacob can be closer to his dad and his stepmom. Um, they had had uh, a baby, so he had a brother and it made sense for me to just move to Seattle and do and I, another clean slate. Right. And so I, from the time I woke up and made that decision, we moved 30 days later. Um, I don't really, when I, when I decided to do something like I am all in, like all in. And so um, we moved up to Seattle, started working there. It took a couple months to get him to come with me because of just sorting everything out. Um, and that's really where my alcoholism like really kicked into high gear um, because now I wasn't like going out and drinking with all of my friends because I really didn't have any around me. It was drinking at home alone a lot. And he was only nine, so I don't know that you remember a lot. I don't have a lot of memories for when she wasn't sober, um, but most of my memories of my mom are basically when she has been sober and she's made that a big part of her life. And I, I mean, everyone she meets, it's like, hey, I'm Elise, I'm sober. Just want to put, point that out there almost. And, and she, doesn't, she doesn't hide the fact that she's sober and that she's, she's done it for me, so. I have. Yeah, that you know what you know. It's so interesting when when you meet people that have a little bit of longer term sobriety, like yourself, at least that you know, um, compared to someone that has maybe <clears throat> children that are you know remembering what it was like. The more we are sober, the more those memories kind of just aren't happening for you anymore. Um, but if you could go back and share, just for our audience to hear, uh, Jacob about. Is there a time when your mom was drinking that really stands out still? I, yeah, I only have one memory that I can recall. And I was uh, telling my mom this earlier, uh, like a couple days ago, but the only memory that I have of when she wasn't sober, when I was really young uh, and we were staying at, in this small house close to the daycare that I, um, that I was going to at the time. And she had uh, one of her friends over and they were drinking wine. And I was being a little bratty kid because I was young and that's what kids are uh, when they're at that age. And uh, I just kept bugging her to try a sip, try a sip. And finally she just caved and she's like, have a sip. And then I instantly spat it out. And I was like, nope, alcohol's not for me. <laughs> but for a long time, your memory of that was that I made him drink. And I was like, no, that's not, that's not how that happened. Um, I was really more of an absent mom. Um, I would, cause you know, it was so important for me to live both lives. And so I would drop him off with my parents for the weekend, or he would go to his dad's and his stepmom's every other weekend, or I'd get babysitters so that he, he wasn't really around for all the parting stuff. What he was around for was when I was sleeping it off. Right. Um, and I would sleep for days, um, and wake up and I can remember him being really little and maybe two or three. And I, you know, I had been asleep for, I don't know how long. And I mean, who knows what he did and who knows what could have happened. Um, and so getting sober for him, I mean, I know you have to get sober for yourself. That absolutely is true. But sometimes you can have another reason to get sober and that's enough to get you started. Mm -hmm. um, and so um, 
it got to a point where I had, we had been living up here for about six months in Seattle and I was just broken. I just, um, the drinking was really bad. And I remember one night he filled, um, one of my wine bottles with uh, bubblegum balls because he thought that if he plopped them in and filled them, like maybe I would stop drinking. That's my guess. I don't know. Um, I still, I still drank it and bubblegum wine. I wouldn't, you don't see that on the shelves. Like, I don't think that's going to be the next thing. Um, but I remember yeah. shortly, I might've even been that weekend where I was just like, I really can't do this anymore. And so I had been carpooling with a woman from work. And if we carpooled together, I would get free parking. And I, I love free stuff, right? Who doesn't? Um, especially cause I could use it for more booze. And so, um, and she was sober and the whole time we had been carpooling, I had been kind of a hot mess express and I would tell her this or that or cry or whatever. And she would be like, yeah, I know, I know exactly what that's like. And if you ever want to do something different, just let me know. I'm happy to share with you, you know, how I did it. And she never pushed herself on me. Um, and so the time came when I called my sister and I was just devastated and she was on the other side of the country. And she was like, why don't you call that carpool lady? And um, maybe she can take you somewhere um, or call an 800 number. And so I first I called the 800 number and they told me to like pour out all my booze. Who does that? That's like alcohol abuse. You can't throw it away. Like there are perfectly good people out there that it's not going to ruin their lives. Like I, I couldn't dump it down the drain. Right. I was like, that's crazy talk. So then I called uh, my friend and she took me to my first um, meeting and um, I did not like it. It was not for me. Um, I didn't, I didn't identify with anyone. It just, it, I would, it was not for me. And so that set me on my course to like go to different therapists and treatment centers and do consultations. What I was really trying to find is someone who could teach me how to drink normally. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but I would tell them the truth. Cause I was kind of like hanging on by a bare thread. And so they're like, yeah, you really qualify for inpatient. And um, so eventually I conceded to do an outpatient program and I was going to send him to my parents' house for the summer so that I could work during the week and then go to treatment at night. And then they could take care of him and I could see him on the weekends. Cause I was still trying to like totally run the show and, and still had this, um, I thought I could still control everything. And so once I made that decision, the woman was like, well, what are you going to do? It was about a three or four week period before that was going to happen. She's like, how are you going to not drink for the next few weeks? And I was like, well, I, I don't know, like, it'll be fine. And she was like, well, do you know how to control your drinking? And I was just like, no, I don't. I've never tried that. I'll do that. I'll do that. It'll be fine. <laughs> um, and so over the next couple of weeks, if I was able to control it, I was miserable but mostly I wasn't able to control it. Um, and she had told me that there was um, a group that got together at this treatment center on Tuesday nights and I could go there and there would be other women like me that I could talk to and listen to. And so eventually I found myself on a Tuesday night in that, in, in that group and I sat as close to the door as possible on a cold aluminum chair. I could, didn't wanna make eye contact with anybody. But what I did notice is that they were all wearing like Lululemon and they seemed pretty happy, except for the women that were clearly an inpatient, they did not seem happy at all. And, um, but what, 
was really powerful that happened that night is that every person that shared their story, it was like exactly my story, like exactly to a T. Like I was like, I think we might've even dated some of the same people. The story was that close, right? And so I was driving home and um, I was really mad at God and, um, and I was shaking my fist and I was like, I can't believe this is it. I'm an alcoholic. You're gonna take away vodka. That's my one true love. You know, if this is it, just give me one more sign. And I'm screaming, like, give me one more sign in the car, literally like a crazy person. And right in that moment of demanding a sign, this ding goes off in my car, like literally the same moment. And I looked down into my dash and it said, perform service. And I was like, God is in my dash. <laughs> on earth right and so I pulled over to the side of the road and I was laughing and crying like the kind of like where snot comes out of your face and it's like really unattractive because I my higher power that I call God um has a great sense of humor right and so here I was demanding a sign and he was like there you go I mean I've given you a hundred thousand in the last 15 16 years but here's one more and um as I was sitting there kind of putting myself back together because I had to go pick up Jacob um from his stepmoms, I, I looked back into the dash and the perform service went away. And I know I needed an oil change, just to be clear, like I got one, don't worry. But um, what came back was it showed um, that I had a little bit less than a half a tank, maybe a quarter a tank of gas. And what I heard in that moment, as if someone was sitting in the passenger seat, clear as day, was like, you can do this now. Um, the next time I come for you, I will be, you will be on complete empty. And um, I haven't had a drink since that night, but it's certainly not because I haven't wanted to. Um, and Jacob was so supporting, supportive for me um, over the years in understanding when I needed to go to meetings instead of maybe hanging out with him and doing things with him. Um, I took him to, to some places and, you know, he didn't love it. Um, but, and then what kind of happened is my, my addiction, um, I became a full-blown workaholic uh, and my life got really good because I was sober. So I wasn't really messing it up. And um, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but I like have a, a, an abnormal amount of energy. Yep. And, uh, and so I really kind of threw myself into that and we had a lot of fun, um, but I was still kind of absent. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. I mean, there, she was working all the time. So she would be getting home until, six o'clock seven o'clock eight o'clock at night depending on traffic what was going on for work and uh so i'd be home by myself from basically when i got out of school from two three o'clock till she got home and so i'm just sitting at home i would go outside play with friends and then once she came home it's like yay cool mom's home time for dinner that was about it i didn't ever make you dinner though no no yeah. it was more like uh put it put it in a pizza in the oven yeah and then I make a mean grilled cheese, you guys. Yeah, yeah. Salads, salad. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, there was the you? pizza and you burnt it into a taco. That happened. <laughs> How old were you at this point when um, you were home after school by yourself? Uh, this was probably middle school. So like 12, 12 13. 13. Mm. I mean, I was a latchkey kid, so it felt very normal to me. Um, and there were, we lived in this condo townhouse like block and there was some other moms there too, where all of our kids play together and we tried to help each other. And 
there was a daycare lady at a church nearby that was helpful, but there was a lot of time he spent alone, you know, or I would come home, I'd throw food at him, meaning I hit a drive through. Right. And then I would be like, okay, I gotta go to, I gotta go now. And I gotta go do my sober stuff. Um, or I was bringing, um, sober people into the house all the time. Cause then I was trying to help them. Um, so it just became very normal to Jacob. Like he doesn't know, he doesn't know if that, that that's not normal. I don't think. Not really. Yeah. <laughs> um, having your story very similar to, to mine as well with my children and they know mom is a little crazy and workaholism definitely hit. Uh, but there was a time in my recovery uh, that I did walk away from my career because, you know, God kind of was like, I'm just going to give you a special needs daughter that really needs your attention. <laughs> and You can't work um, and learn to kind of live uh, more in her world, which was really another whole recovery program I needed <laughs> in my life at the time. However, being a child that has such a, uh, you know, obviously your story is, is, is sharing a lot about addiction after you do put the, you know, um, the plug in the jug, so to speak. And, um, you know, so seeing your mom going through other addictions, which is clearly workaholism, what, what was going on with you? Did you notice a difference between mom? Did you, did you wish that she wasn't working so much just like her drinking or what, what was that uh, for me? No, I, I, I just know that she was raising to support the both of us. We were by ourselves and we were just like that. It was just normal life for us. We were just like, let's, we're not, we're not hanging out until eight o'clock at night. We can sit down and watch a sh show together after dinner. And then by that time the show is done, we're, it's time for bed. And we played a lot of rock band though. We, we did. did. We, rock, yeah. we did. Our band name was kid mama. <laughs> I was the mama he was the kid obviously um but you know it did have it did come at a cost uh in 2015 um ironically the day after I turned 40 um my workaholism um reared its ugly head and um within a couple of weeks I was being wheeled into emergency heart surgery um I thought I was maybe having panic attacks I didn't really know what was going on he had just graduated high school we had just relocated from the suburbs into the city um and we kind of had one of those weeks that like forever changes you um I had emergency I went in to do a stressed echo heart test on a Monday um and I, I didn't pass the test, you guys. I totally failed. And they were like, you know, we're, um, you're going to have to go down to the cath lab. And I didn't know what that was, but I was like, are we going to be done by two? Because I've got some work meetings. And <laughs> my doctor was like, I don't think you understand what's happening. You're about to have heart surgery. And I was just kind of like, oh, this isn't good. And he had been home and he had been really sick. Uh, and we didn't know what yet. And so that was the week that I had emergency heart surgery. He was diagnosed with Crohn's disease. Um, and then our dog Cooper at the time was mimicking his, his symptoms. Um, and he had to go to the emergency vet. It was just kind of a disastrous week. It really, I mean, the kind where you like, it's life-changing, right? Um, because it just, death comes knocking too close on the door. And the next couple of months were still rough. Like we still couldn't quite figure it out. He wasn't doing good. He had dropped down to like 120 pounds. Yeah. I mean, he kind of looked like Skeletor. Um, 
I tripped after yoga one day because uh, I was wearing Birkenstocks and um, hit my head uh, at, on a gas pump, those pillars, and I had short-term memory loss. Um, and then he had to have a major surgery. Um, we were in the hospital for a week and we came home from that surgery and within a day, um, our dog Cooper unexpectedly died. And um, he'd eaten one of the squeakers out of a dog toy and it just had gone too far and they tried to save him and they weren't able to. And for some reason losing Cooper, that was kind of like, that's kind of what stopped everything. Um, and I cashed in all my vacation time and PTO time that I had accrued lots, right? Um, and was like, I'm not coming into work until it's, I'm, I'm out of all of it. And, um, and then during that six weeks, we got a puppy and we went to the beach and we spent a lot of time together. Um, and then I never went back to that job. I never went back. And um, for the next year, so 2016, we just spent a lot of time with each other. Um, he even went to yoga with me a few times. Yeah. Uh, he did, he did. Um, and we tried to train the puppy, but she was really high maintenance. So our solution still to that, is. she's still, still high is. maintenance. Our solution to that was to get another one, right? Cause then they would like play together. Yeah, no, that's like twice as much poop. It doesn't actually make sense when I say it out loud, but um, we love them and I love him. And we made it through that really hard time and I didn't have to drink over it. Right. Um, and since then, I've also uh, I've also battled uh, stage one melanoma skin cancer and had like a huge chunk taken out of my ankle. And like Jacob's been there for me and knows that he has to monitor the pain meds when I go through some kind of situation, because, you know, they do work appropriately when you follow the directions. Um, but left to my own device, if it says take two, I read that as 12. Right. <laughs> so um, Jacob has been a very active part of my recovery. Um, but I have not forced my recovery on him. He is an adult. He makes his own choices. Um, you said in the beginning, uh, when you shared, it sounds like, uh, mom is so open with her recovery, which, how did you handle that with around friends? Was, was that something? That oh, no, all of my friends, they see, they see my mom as their second mom. And so they totally love and support her as well. And there's, I mean, we have, none of us have issues on hiding anything or just discussing anything with her. So, yeah. How did that influence your decisions? I know you said you tried wine once and then didn't enjoy it. How about since then? Like, do you drink? Do you I, I drink occasionally. Uh, mainly it's like if with friends, um, occasional night of just playing video games with some friends too. Um, but it's not very often I hardly drink. I mean, after watching mom being sober for all these years, it's just hard to want to just drink every day. And so I just, I just choose to drink when I want to. And he's the kind of person that like, will order a drink, like if we're out to dinner and like, he'll leave like half of it in the glass. Oh, he's yeah. one of those normies. Yeah. My husband is like that. And it annoyed me <laughs> when I was drinking. I'm like, why, why are you letting the ice melt? Why aren't you drinking it? Like, do you know what happens if you put that in your body? It, I don't understand it. When you say like, you just drink when you want to, that just, my mind goes. <laughs> and trust me, I have watched him like a hawk. Like are the red, are the red flags there? Is he, is he going to be like me? You know? Um, but I don't, 
if he is, he's got some catching up to do. Let me tell you that. <laughs> a, big, a big question that comes a lot with us, because we do family episodes uh, from parents and moms, is what do you tell your kids? What does, first, I'm going to ask this to Jacob first. What did mom, how did mom share about addiction? Like, where did you, where, where did you get your education around alcoholism and addiction? Well, at first it started off as like mom's gone and doing like she moved to Seattle and I'm stuck at my grandparents for a couple months and I'm like, okay, she just, we're moving to Seattle. Now I just got to wait a couple till the new year to move to my new school and move to my new house. Um, and then I just, it didn't, I don't think you really told me. It's just like, eventually you just started bringing me to the meetings and then and having the people around that were sober and helping you. And well, and I'm really loud. Them. So he hears yeah. all of my phone conversations, mm-hmm. like all of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she, I can hear her down the hallway in our apartment building when I'm coming out of the elevator. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but you didn't like go out of your way to hide anything from him. You just kind of- Yeah, him I just, I just felt like it was, I needed to be direct. Mm-hmm. Um, but not tell him, I mean, there were things he certainly didn't need to know, right? Um, he didn't need to know everything, but um, he needed to know enough to know that it was serious, um, but that it was also going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, you know, it's, recovery is not an easy process and it ebbs and flows and you can be doing really, really well. Um, but around five years sober, I was not doing well at all. Like I couldn't stop crying. I was very depressed. Um, and it's not, I mean, on the outside, my life was going actually pretty good. Um, but I just had this hole on the inside that nothing was filling and I, and it got dark and I was really worried that I might, um, you know, the suicidal thoughts, thoughts were there most certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was really scary. And so it's also having to talk to him about that stuff. Like I'm not doing okay right now. And I need you to do a little extra here or a little extra there or check in with me a couple weeks or a couple days and ask me if I've taken my meds or things like that. Like he's had to take care of me the more than I think and most kids do in a normal like two parent household. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you want to say anything on that. I don't I mean, no, I think you said about it. Yeah. <laughs> He'll figure this all out in therapy later. Right. <laughs> yeah, right, totally. I actually had a very similar relationship with my oldest because I was 18 when I got pregnant, 19 when I had him and turned 20 soon after that. So a very similar timeline. And, and I was a single mom and you just, we had a really incredible bond, but I also, I feel that guilt of like, am I putting, did I put too much on him? I'm married now. So my husband has that job <laughs> when I wasn't, he really like stepped up and, you know, he was my, my little partner like we did we were partners in crime we grew up together kind of you know so it was a different relationship and it was really really special and I definitely wouldn't change it for anything in the world but I know that for me there's some mom guilt there for sure for sure and I I I did strange things to make up for it like you know I would buy any video game anything um you know trips it was like we had to go to Disneyland we had to go on all the rides like I've done all the things to like overcompensate for you know for that guilt um but I also secretly like a lot of that stuff so it's not like going to Hawaii yeah and we would go to Hawaii and Disney World and you know um he has been like my you know my partner in crime like 
he doesn't like it however if we're out in public and i'm like you know i'm gonna tell your mom when we get back he's like oh, you are my mom Stop i mean it. she has been using that same joke for the last 24 years i mean it's funny it's funny <laughs> It's funnier than when I tell people that I was 12 when I had you, which is my other favorite joke. Yeah. <laughs> that one doesn't always land, though. That, that don't always land, that one, yeah. I think that's probably the one thing that I have that's good for my workaholism is I did work really, really hard, and it was always driven for my kids, you know? Um, I definitely learned in recovery that enjoying the moments was the most important. It may not be the time that the other moms were given all their kids, but man, when we rolled in our vacation, it was all about them. And it sounds like you guys had those same experiences. And actually now my kids are way older. Those are the memories that they remember. When I talk about the way I'm crazy and how guilt I was with times I didn't spend with them, they're like, what? <laughs> I remember the times that we did spend together that were so special. It sounds like you're, you guys we have had a lot of those times. I also think that there was um, a learning curve for me to not assume that he was going to want to make all the poor choices that I did. Um, because I, it was like, I was always watching for that. And I'd be like, I know how you're going to sneak out of the house. You're going to go out your bedroom window, onto the garage, onto your car, and then you're going to be out. And he would be like, actually, I'll just walk out the front door because you sleep like you're out like a coma. So like I put a lot of my stuff on him and that wasn't fair. Um, and so learning to pull that back and realize that like my stuff is not his stuff. Mm -hmm. And just because I made a lot of really bad choices doesn't mean that he's going to, I mean, he's going to make, he's made his own bad choices to be clear, but um, they weren't, I, it wasn't, it wasn't like the ones I made. Mm -hmm. I think we have this weird advantage as being parents in this generation because I feel like video games are taking away a lot of that need for that. Uh, I don't know. Like you can do a lot in a video game that I used to do in real life, but we're really it's really dangerous for my well being to do it in real life. Whereas people can kind of live that out on video games now. Oh yeah. What's your favorite video game, Brooke? Um, I am like obsessed since it came out in two thousand and one with The Sims. Like I could, I literally. I, I, I don't know if I want to share this live on air, but I guess I'm going to now. I like peed my pants while playing because <laughs> I just didn't want to go to the bathroom. I was young. I was very young. <laughs> yeah, this is 20 years ago. <laughs> just, just to be clear, I have more self-control now, but that's what kind of addict I am. Like I will not stop something I like doing. <laughs> I know that feeling though. I've joked many times when I'm working, like, can someone just get me a catheter? Cause I've got too much to do, you know? <laughs> Oh my God, that's, I need one of those. That's a really good business. I think we should start making those. I'd buy it. Jacob, we really want to thank you for hanging out with us. We'll let you get on with your day and do what you got to do. And um, yeah, just, we really appreciate your side of the story. It's so important for your, for people. There's so many people going through what you're going through and um, to be here to relate with them is so great. Thank you so much. No problem. Happy to be here guys. Thanks, Jacob. He's going back to his room now. Yeah, it's all happy. And gaming. And gaming, yes. <laughs> oh, what a sweetheart. Just to be able to, you know, amazing the conversations that we have in recovery and, and uh, having him beside you and supportive and loving, like just that alone was something special to witness. So I'm really grateful that you're a natural on. too. He is. Like so comfortable. He's very mellow and easygoing. Um, 
basically the opposite of me. So I think we work well together in that sense. Um, he also kind of reminds me of my mom a lot because it's like, you know, he's thinking, he might not always be saying what he's thinking, but he's always taking everything in and mm -hmm. figuring out like what what's happening before he like, but when he does say something like he, he, he really wants to be heard and he's, he can be so funny sometimes too. So when I'm not the one doing, sucking all the oxygen out of the room. <laughs> Uh, it, they're, 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 he's very calming and uh, his presence is, you can definitely see that he's um, a very empathetic, compassionate person. Just, yeah. If he would just clean his room a little more. Oh. <laughs> you can't have it all, Elise. No, you can't. Speaking of having it all, let's talk about the sober curator because that is literally the place where you can go if you're in recovery and like learn anything you want to know about sober pop culture. You have so much amazing content on that site and I want to know all about how that started. Ah, thank you. Um, it's not me. It's a lot of people working on it. Um, so I came up with the idea. It was like the fall of 2019. I was watching an episode of This Is Us um, and there was something happening with um, one of the storylines and I just thought to myself like I wish there was a place that I could go online and find out all the cool sober content right and my background I, I was running a magazine for nearly a decade now I'm at a tv station prior to that I was at a newspaper so content is my shtick lifestyle content is my stick I love pop culture um, so then I went on a hunt trying to find like sober magazines right well there are some um and they weren't what I was looking for. They were very clinical, very early sobriety, which is great. Like that information needs to be out there, but it's not exactly my lane. And at the Sober Curator, we're not really in the business of telling anyone how to get sober. What we do wanna do is um, help break the stigma that being sober equals being boring, right? Um, and showing like how much fun you can have in sobriety. And I mean, that's, I don't know about you guys, but like, that's what I got sober for because I was not having fun and my life was, it was shitty. Um, and so we work really hard to just kind of curate everything pop culture that basically we would want to read ourselves. And we kind of went into it with that idea, like, let's just create something for ourselves. And if other people start following along and they like what we do, then that's fantastic. Um, and so I took a week off and work in July of 2020, because, you know, we'd all been stuck and had lots of extra time on our hands and um, decided to go and just like figure it out. And I did accidentally publish the website before it was ready. And then I didn't know how like there's not like an undo button for that. If there was, I couldn't find it. Um, but it started off, so there's myself and then there is my co-founder, Lisa. She is in Dallas. Um, and she was the one early on that said, I will ride this crazy train with you wherever it's going. And <laughs> we don't actually know where it's going, um, but it feels like it's moving fast. And um, so then my sister also um, contributes and she is not sober. She does not need to be. I drink enough for the both of us, um, but she is a licensed therapist specializing in addiction. Um, and so she really brings that kind of like spiritual depth and weight to the site. And one of her 
um, things that she does every week is the daily llama, which is short one word meditations for your complete well-being. Um, and then we also have Annalisa, who is a daughter of one of my friends. I've actually never met her in person, but we're besties now. And she is our sober astrologer. And she lives down in the Yucca Valley, like Joshua Tree is in her backyard. So she's really bringing her astrology game to the table. And then we have just started collecting other people. And that's probably my favorite thing about the silver lining of 2020 is that I've met all these other people that are either in recovery or they're simply choosing to live an alcohol-free life um, that I wouldn't have otherwise met. And so we um, are up to 15 or 16 of us now. And uh, I'm happy to announce that we're in three countries and on two continents because we've added you guys to the um, which is going to be super exciting um, that we can put your podcast um, on our site under our podcast section. Um, and we just cover all the things. Um, you know, we, we do cover the mocktails and the alcohol-free brands that are out there. I love to shop. So the add to cart section is my jam. And there's actually a lot of really cool sober merch out there. Um, we do movie reviews, TV reviews, anything pop culture is what we want to cover, basically. Um, and then there's just a lot of other fun stuff there too. And we're still figuring it out. You know, we're like six months old, so. Oh, it's so fun. And I've, it, it's so needed too. I think recovery and sobriety especially is becoming like a health lifestyle change for people. It's becoming way more popular on social media. A lot of people are talking about it more openly now, especially since the pandemic happened and having that resource available is just so awesome that, that that's there. Just the fun stuff, you know, just the fun stuff. And like, listen, you guys, like, I know that it's not all rainbows and butterflies and puppies and unicorns. I mean, I would like it to be, but it's not right. Um, but, but, but the fun stuff is the reason that you go through the hard stuff. And so I just, you know, the stigma has really changed a lot in the near 15 years I've been sober. And you know, when I got sober, there was no sober social media. There was no Instagram. There was no TikTok. There was no Facebook. Well, Facebook probably existed, but it was like very, very new. I think I was on MySpace when I first got sober. Like, I feel like I might've put a bunch of like glittery sober stickers or something on my MySpace page. Um, but in the self-help section at Barnes and Noble was relatively small. And so, but what we've seen, especially in the last two to three years is kind of this explosion of content. Um, and it's, it, it's, it's in everything, you know, it's, it's underlining in almost every show and movie, you can always find some character that's dealing with a mental illness or addiction. Um, and then you've got all of the sober influencers and that's like trying to keep up with them is like intense. And then there's all the podcasts and I love all the podcasts. Um, there's so many good ones and, um, and now there's clubhouse and I'm trying to figure that out too. And, um, you know, I think we're going to try to do something there. So it's just a, it's just a fun place to play. And, and I think that the, the more, the, the more of us that are out loud about our recovery, what I have found my own story is that by me sharing the fact that I am sober, I cannot, I have lost track of how many people over the years have called me directly because they had a problem or they had someone in their life had a problem and they just didn't know where to start. Right. And so, um, and I've seen lives change and that's the best part. Like I getting sober 
was great for me, but watching other people get sober and, and, and being alongside and being their cheerleader, that's like Disneyland, you guys. That's like, there's not anything better than that when they get their kids back and they're, and you see their careers take off and you see them fall in love and you just see that, that darkness, that blankness in their eye is gone and it's been replaced by a twinkle. Right. And, um, and so that's, that's what we're doing it for. We want it, we want it, we want it to be normalized, you know, in whatever way that makes sense. I can't agree with you more. I, I think I definitely stayed sober a few days uh, extra when I found out some of the crazy rock bands were like getting sober. I was like, what? You know, Motley Crue is like sober. What the frick? 19 years, (laughs) right? I think. Yeah. Yeah. And when I, you know, that, that they were trying to get sober here in Vancouver and just so different things like you hear about it was, it, it does, it did make a difference because I sobered up so young and I thought, who wants to be sober? I mean, I had fun drinking. I just had to figure out a formula on how to stop at about, you know, 1 a.m. when my panties started coming off. Like, if you could just <laughs> stop doing that, <laughs> you know, then it would be a good, it would be good. But unfortunately, we know the story of the alcoholic um, has the inability to do that and, and chaos and hurt and turmoil happens. And uh, life sober was really difficult for me to see, especially 30 years ago, as you said, 15 years ago. But they did tell me when I did get sober that I had to find the fun. If I didn't find the joy and the fun, I am going to drink again. Yeah. And that was drilled in me. And what the sober curator would I, for those of you who don't, you have to go check them out because there's so much content, like there's no way there's not one single sober person that's out there that cannot go on to the sober curator and read and check in and find something that will make you jive, make you happy, make you go, wow, what's that? I want to check this out. I got to check them out. Um, That's what I love about it. It's just so colorful with such substance um, for all of us in recovery of all different ages. And yeah, yeah. Well, and you know, my experience too, and being public about being a non-drinker as someone who's in the media and I threw some of Seattle's biggest and best parties, I've attended all the parties and, you know, when people find out that you don't drink, like you, you get a lot of different reactions from that. You know, some people like, it doesn't even phase them. They're like, okay, whatever, more for me. Like they don't care. Right. Other people are like, awesome. You can be the DD. And then there's people that are like, well, why not? You don't, how about just one? How about just one right now? Like, why not? You know? Um, And I kind of got to a point where I realized that how people react to my not drinking is their stuff. It's not my stuff. Right. Um, And I learned tricks on how to like fit in at a party. So I didn't look like the girl with just the thing of water, you know? And I love that there's all kinds of fun drinks that are being made now that are not alcoholic because, you know, we're not houseplants, right? We would like to consume more than just water and coffee grams. And so I love that I can have a fun and fruity and fancy drink and a fun glass with some cherries or whatever thrown on top. Um, and that I can celebrate alongside people that are celebrating with alcohol. I just know that it's not for me and I'm not anti-alcohol at all. Like if it's not bringing problems into your life, go forth and party on. Um, but for me, it just, it just, it really wasn't working. 
Mm-hmm. I would love, since you are all into sober pop culture, um, do you have any movie recommendations for people? I, I took one of your recommendations. I think it was you who told me it better be because otherwise this is embarrassing. But <laughs> um, What was it? The uh, something boy. Oh my gosh. Now I can't even remember the name of the movie. Beautiful boy. That wasn't me, but that is a really good one. And that's a really good book as well. We have a quit like quit lit section on the site too, where we're trying to get as many book reviews in as possible. Um, There's so many coming out um, that have just come out that I've been, you know, I think I I watched almost all of Netflix and Hulu in the last year. I don't know about you guys, but some ones that I just watched that I really liked um, Euphoria, which is a show on Hulu. That's not for everybody. Um, season one, it is very triggering. So if, if you're somebody who's newly sober and or or easily triggered, you know, probably not the show for you. Um, I watched season one. I don't, you know, I was okay. I was into it. I was not into it. I didn't know how I felt about it. And then um, Lisa, um, the gal down in Dallas was telling me about, they had this, this, this special episode um, that happened because of, of lockdown that they made this like one hour special episode and that I needed to stop what I was doing and watch it right away. And so it's Euphoria season two, but special episode. I don't know what it's called. Um, and it's just a simple scene of two people in a diner having a conversation over the course of an hour and talking about how recovery works. And to me, it's was incredibly powerful television. And that's why I think it's so important that these stories get told um, so that people can identify with them because identification is like, is, is the battle, right? Once you identify that you are like um, other people and you don't, and you, you realize you're not different, you're not unique, you just struggle in this way. And there's others who also have, and they can show you what to do. Um, there's a lot of power in that, in the identification process. Um, but also like Cobra Kai. Okay. I'm a kid of the eighties. So I've seen all the kids, you know, all the karate kids. And I got to tell you, you guys, Johnny still does it for me. I love a bad guy. (laughs) I do. I love a bad guy. That's so awesome. (laughs) My mom actually got really, really into that. I called her and she's like, I I didn't sleep last night. I was up till five in the morning (laughs) because she was watching Cobra Kai. It's not actually that good. Um, but I, there was something nostalgic about it for me that I really loved. And I love, you know, because I love pop culture and, and the toys and shows of my childhood. Um, maybe cause that that's, you know, before I started partying and there's some, some happier memories, um, that came before all of the not so great memories. Mm-hmm. Um, another one that I've really liked was the flight attendant, Mm-hmm. Um, with Kaylee Coco, the girl from the blonde girl from the Big Bang Theory. She's an alcoholic flight attendant. Um, and I've known a few of those and, um, and she's high functioning, but not really. And, uh, so that was entertaining to me, but you know, you really have to judge it for yourself. Like some people get triggered by things. I don't, but I've also been doing this for a while now. Mm-hmm. So I think everybody has, you know, you just need to check your intentions and, and your motives when you're watching things but we got some boys on the, in the house tonight uh they have got like big muscles you know those little emojis <laughs> cobra kai <laughs> we got <laughs> climb for recovery trevor is in the house sal yeah. and of course recovery mike who uh will give a little bit of a shout out they're actually starting a new podcast called end the stigma is that did they get it right boys i hope so 
I think that's what it's called, right? Oh, the stigma ends here. Oh, yeah, the stigma ends here. Okay, thanks, Brooke. Um, anyways, uh, they're just starting out, so you got to go check them out. But uh, they always come and support and show the love. But they are definitely, <laughs> all of them are like going crazy over this. My husband watches that show too, and he keeps telling me to watch it. And I'm like, ah. I don't know. I, I didn't, I never really liked Karate Kid. Please don't kill me now. <laughs> no, I mean, I didn't like him. Everybody thought, you know, he's kind of a wimp. He's kind of wimpy. I never, I thought he was such a wimpy. I don't know. I didn't, I didn't like him. I'm sorry. Whatever you're, I don't know. I never liked that show, <laughs> but it's supposed to be good. Anyways. Let's talk about the talk show. The sober curator is going um, on video and it was so incredible. I got to. Yeah, I don't that. What, what was that? Um, so I had a friend of mine um, who um, I used to work with uh, and he had gone out and with some friends and started his own agency and then COVID happened and they had to, like many people, pivot and figure out a different way to make money. And so they started doing a lot of streaming of live events, um, specifically around nonprofits in the area. Um, and so like last summer, he reached out to me. He was like, hey, we got all this equipment. We need to practice on someone. Um, do you have any like local musicians you could introduce us to so we could, you know, maybe do a live stream concert practice on them? And I was like, oh, yeah, sure. Because I'm a, I'm a good connector. I mean, I, I know over half of Seattle and I'm just good at connecting people. And so time went on and I stay in touch with him um, pretty regularly. And so he reached out to me a few weeks back, a month back. I don't know about you guys, but I lose track of time in the last year. Like I just have no concept of time anymore. Um, but he was like, hey, so this part of the business is going really well, but we kind of want to branch out and try other things. So we were kind of curious, like, could we use you like a test dummy? And I was just like, oh yeah, sure. I mean, cause I'm still a, I'll do anything girl. Like that doesn't really change. I'll try anything once. Right. And, um, so he's like, it'll be like a, like a Facebook live for like 10 minutes. And I'm like, oh yeah, sure. Just tell me when, where, whatever. Well, we kept talking and it just kind of kept evolving. And so, um, it really ended up taking this kind of life lifestyle show feel, um, but completely around sobriety. So it launched yesterday and it's 45 minutes and, uh, which my sister informs me is too long, but I once, but she did text me today and she actually watched the whole thing and now she likes it. Um, but it, uh, you know, the, the format for it is pretty loose still. We want to open up talking about whatever pop culture trends are happening in the moment. Um, and so yesterday's episode opened up talking about some TikTok accounts that we love to follow. And then, um, and then Tonics Mocktails, Nick from LA, who is also a sober curator, her and I work on a Just a Merry Mocktail Monday collaboration together. And when I say her and I, it's really her um, teaching me how to become a bartender at home because I just don't know how to do any of that stuff. The kitchen. Um, <laughs> and so she came on to the, she was the back half of the show and taught me how to make three different mocktails using a rose simple syrup that I made at home all by myself. Um, and then my friend Amir came on as the guest and he was kind of with me at the beginning of the show. And then um, we get more into his story and like how he got sober and the people in his life that helped get him sober. Um, so there's, you know, there's just a little bit of everything, you know, there's, there's, there's the rainbow and butterflies, but there's also the depth and the weight. Mm -hmm. It yeah. was really incredible. And I, I just love that that's going to be available for 
crowd, the sober crowd. Like we don't have anything like that yet. We don't have our own TV show, right? Don't we deserve our own TV show? Um, I also think we deserve our own awards. So I'm working on that next. Stay tuned, stay tuned. But um, I just think that it's really time to, I don't know about you guys, but like I have spent years and years and years talking about all the bad stuff that happened when I was drinking and using and, um, and um, I really would like to talk about some of the fun stuff now that I'm able to do by not having those things in my life. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think that, you know, I think it's going somewhere, but we'll see, we'll see how people respond to it. I don't know. It's only been 24 hours. <laughs> well, it certainly sounds like you're taking uh, from your pain <laughs> uh, and turning it into incredible purpose. Uh, and I think you're absolutely right. I think that from myself in, in recovery long-term, uh, there is so much talk about the problem and, we need the fun. We need to talk more about that. It's like, you know, uh, when I was not being very kind to my husband <clears throat> and I was always so critical, I fed the critical part of our relationship, I, or the, the negative part of my relationship. And it wasn't until I started putting and talking about the positives that all of a sudden that grew and expanded it and ended the sickness of my relationship. And I think it's the same thing with our mental health, our addiction, our recovery. If we keep focusing on all the negatives of what <clears throat> recovery does and we don't talk enough and loud enough about the positives, it's, it's gonna get outweighed. It's going to be right. It's like when you, you know, I don't do a gratitude list every day because I'm just not a very disciplined person, but when I do it, like, I feel good. Like what, what you put out, it really does come back. And so I just, in the last year has, have just really wanted to focus on helping other people, putting out a positive vibe that everyone is welcome, um, that there's not one way to do anything. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, and celebrate the little victories. Mm-hmm. We had a guest on uh, that actually is uh, Sober Active Canada. She, I, I'm, is that the right name? <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> okay, good. I got to double check. Uh, but, you know, her, her concept too is, you know, you have all of these incredible things that happen, like these mud runs, but they end up with beer. They end up getting wasted after. What about the ones that we can just go out and have fun without having alcohol after? Can't we still have a party without the alcohol? Can't we, you know, get together and gather and... And a lot of us, uh, in especially in early recovery, and even sometimes later in recovery, is difficult still being around that type. Not that we care that other people drink, but it can be triggering and it can actually be slippery places for us. And a lot of people don't understand that. It's not that we want to be segregated. It's just a matter of life and death for me personally. I can't go into a bar on a regular basis as much as I'd love to. It, I, I would drink and I would die. And that's the just of my disease. But if I could go to a place that I could be around sober-minded people and have some fun without the alcohol, that would be amazing. And there's just not that available. Um, There is. There's starting to be some sober bars. They're popping up all over. And I think that when we get on the other side of, of, to the new normal, whatever that's going to end up looking like, I think we are going to see an explosion in this area. Um, because uh, I, I see a lot of research that shows that the millennial generation, they're not drinking like, like the generations that went ahead of them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that people have just, everybody's been through a lot in the last year. And people are really looking to take care of themselves, take care of each other. Um, and I know when I would go places, people will be like, you don't drink? 
you really seem like a drinker. Like, <laughs> I bet I do. You know, I was a lot of fun until I wasn't. I mean, you talk about, you know, having an accident playing um, Sims, like that would be me on the dance floor. It was like, I don't have time. I'm out here having a good time. Thank you very much. Right. So um, yeah, I think, I think that, I think that things are really cracking open and I think a lot of advocacy work that is happening around addiction and mental illness is very, very, very positive. And I would even go so far as to say like, being sober might be about to be trending. It might be about to be cool. Like, I don't know if we're gonna be the new gluten-free, but like, I think you're gonna see that it becomes much more mainstream than it has been. I totally agree. Actually, I just uh, ran across a documentary about alcohol. I think it's the truth about alcohol is what it's called on Netflix. And it just starts talking about the correlation between alcohol and cancer. And then there's books like the naked mind that did the same thing. It kind of opens the door of like how they're marketing alcohol to us and how it's more like cigarettes than we think. And it's really correlated to breast cancer, especially in women. Um, yeah, like there's so many downsides to alcohol, but we're kind of told that it's this fun, like thing to loosen up and even drinking safely isn't that safe because it, it does have negative effects, just like smoking. And I know, I think they're saying in England, they've just downed the amount that you're supposed to, like the safe consumption amount. It's like put in half now because of all this new research that's come out. So I believe usually when a Netflix documentary comes out, <laughs> there's some more action behind stuff like veganism and all that kind of stuff. Um, so we will see, but I, I definitely think you're on to something there. Yeah, yeah. And definitely with having, uh, you're right. There are places if you search around enough. And of course, when we're in the network that we are today, we see so many of them, but I don't know how many times I'm in my community and they're like, what, there's that available. Canada's a little bit different. You guys are a little bit more advanced with those, the bars and, and, and it's a broader audience, but you know, having somebody like the sober curator being able to help get uh someone to go where can i find out about all this stuff like what am i going to do when i'm going to go to seattle or i'm going to go to florida or i'm going to go to toronto or i'm going to come to vancouver what can i do sober fun you know um i think the sober curators got got it going on with that because we do need a place like a one-stop shop to find out what is what is the pop call? What is going on in the sober community? Yeah. And we're really excited to crack into sober travel. Mm -hmm. um, we have a goal of like building this archive of how to have the perfect sober day in every like main city. Right. Mm -hmm. So you guys, you guys have to handle Canada though, oh, yeah, <laughs> especially since your country won't let me in. So <laughs> there's that. Yeah. <laughs> Aww. I know we've been hearing that from everybody. So it's like, you know, I guess we're going to be pretty busy up here in Canada because there's so many that can't cross the border that want to do hikes and stuff. And you know, I know you guys are so close, but so yeah. far away. Yeah. Well, I'll be coming down and seeing you because my sister literally lives uh, just outside of Seattle. Uh, she oh, works with Boeing and uh, yeah, I'm, I, once the borders open, I'm down there all the time. So you and I are going to be like besties on the patio with our mocktails. <laughs> oh, my stevia. <laughs> I like my stevia. <laughs> I've got a bubbly tonight in case anyone's wondering, <laughs> not sponsored, not an ad. No. Um, thank you so much, Elise. This has been just the most incredible conversation. You were so much fun. I've been loving yes. to get getting to know you and we are beyond excited to partner with the sober curator to bring you some Canadian content. Um, for everyone who's listening, where can they get a hold of you? How can they get involved with the sober curator? What are the best ways to find you? We, well, the website is the sober curator.com. 
Um, and we are on Facebook, Instagram. We're kind of, we're on TikTok, but we're not doing it well. And by <laughs> we, I mean me, right? Uh, Twitter, uh, Reddit, Tumblr, Goodreads, Pinterest. I think that's all the places. You can DM us. Um, our email is thesobercurator at gmail.com. And if you're interested in being a sober curator, we definitely want to hear from you. Um, the, we are currently all over the country. We're in New York, Washington, D.C., New Orleans, Chicago, Dallas, L.A., Yucca Valley, Seattle, Canada. And we just uh, signed on with Unwasted, which is in Sydney, Australia. Um, we also do a section called the Sober Spotlight, where we shine a light on sober people doing cool things. And those cool things can be a lot of different things. Um, we just like to tell a lot of different stories. So maybe um, you know someone that we should sign, shine a light on, or maybe maybe that's you. Um, but that's another section of the site that we're really excited about. And then we're also going to be launching a section of the site called Speak Out, Speak Loud, where people that want to create their own whatever, like maybe they want to write a poem, maybe they want to write an essay, maybe they just want to write out their story, maybe they, maybe they want to do something visual, maybe they want to share like their photography or um, anything really. We want to create a space on the site where people can share their works of art and things that bring them joy. Amazing. Oh my gosh. Just go follow her. But like, <laughs> go follow her. And what are we wearing tomorrow? I just, I only got the memo for today, so. Yeah, exactly. We've, we actually are all wearing the, our Sober Queen shirts, which, uh, you know, the girls, uh, if you haven't listened to that episode yet, we've actually had her on twice, uh, Ashley, and well, Lilita came on twice, uh, but they are just so much energy, so much fun. So much energy. They're so cute. I listened to that episode. It was a really good one. They have great stories. Yeah, they do. And yeah, they're a lot of fun. Brittany Jade's uh, uh, line right here that's sold out. I had a couple people already going, when did you guys get the sweatshirts? I want one. But they are doing more. I think if you go on to They're their- really thing, comfy. Like it's good, it's a good, not too thick, not too thin, doesn't fall up, washes well. Like it's a good, it's a good hoodie. It is, and I don't like, <laughs> ask Brooke, I don't even wear seek purposes hoodies. <laughs> I'm not a hoodie person, I'm really not. And I'm not kidding. Like I put out a TikTok with me with my hoodie in public. <laughs> okay, let's talk about what you were doing in that TikTok because you were riding a stuffed animal through a mall or something. I was. I was riding through the mall, uh, awesome mall, Tawasin Mills. If you ever come out here to Vancouver <laughs> and take a ferry ride, there's a mall just before you hit the ferry. You got to go check it out. And you adults can rent these big stuffed animals. It's like a go kart on on wheels. It's a stuffed animal. And you know something, my dad was with me and I'm like, I'm daddy's girl. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to rent one. So I did. My family knows me. I'm so did your dad take the video of you? Was he the one, was he the cameraman? Actually, no, it was my other son. <laughs> I had my two boys with me and uh, he, they were taking it and they all rode them. Actually, I got videos of them all and we just had fun and everybody's looking at us. And actually the best part was that I ran into a sober friend I haven't seen in probably, gosh, at least eight years. And, and she got it. <laughs> She's like, Suzanne, you're just so crazy. <laughs> but that's what I'm talking about. I'm wearing Sober Queen in the middle of the mall and proud to be sober. I mean, we can have fun. I mean, we were pretty proud to be drunk anyway. Oh, yeah, we so I'm pretty proud to be sober any place. Yeah, exactly. I know that's what I don't understand. People are like, I don't want anybody to know I'm an alcoholic. And I'm like, so screwing that guy out in the car in the convertible was good. <laughs> okay, whatever you want to do. <laughs> 
Well, and on that note, I just want to thank uh, you. We always have to end with those stories. I tell you right now, I'm sorry. I got to go there. <laughs> oh, at least you didn't say penis this episode. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. Oh. That was a reoccurring theme in the beginning of our, our podcast. But anyways, um, thank well, you. So however, much. it was just Valentine's Day and I absolutely did check out the penis this weekend. I have to say it was a lot of fun. <laughs> so there you go, Brooke. Are you happy? <laughs> I don't know if happy is the right word to describe it, but thank you guys so much <laughs> for watching. Uh, we had so much fun with, with you, Elise, today. Thank you for being here. And if you enjoy the podcast, make sure you head over to Apple, iTunes, Pod, whatever it's called, all the places you can give us a review, subscribe, do all those things. It helps boost us up so more people can hear our show. And we will see you here next Monday. Bye. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. We are thrilled to have you as a part of this community and we are really trying to grow and reach more people. So there's a lot of ways you can get involved. Um, one is going to our website. There's some really great resources there. Yes. And the most exciting part is checking out those GIFs or what do you call them? GIFs. I call them GIFs. You call them GIFs, whatever, tomato, tomato. <laughs> <laughs> so when you're actually enjoying your sober life and you're going and you're posting on your Instagram, please just go to Seek Purpose and check them all out and tag us. Yeah. I wanna see what you guys are doing out there in sober life. Yeah, we also have filters actually we've been putting out as well. There's so much you can do um, through so social media with Seek Purpose, like, like comment, share, all of our posts, really get involved with this community. There's so much help out there for you and so much connection here we've been finding. Yeah, and you know, the one thing that we have learned in recovery is asking for help. So we're gonna ask for help and just become a patron mm -hmm. and come help be a part of this community and help it grow. And uh, we'd love to have you. If you wanna become a patron, we have a link on our website that you can click. And there's some really cool perks of becoming a patron with Seek Purpose. So we hope you check that out. And obviously, if you review this podcast on whatever podcasting app you're listening to, it's going to help us reach more ears and get that message out of recovery. Mm -hmm. Stay tuned. We have so much more in store. And uh, as our, our little community grows, our collective, there's exciting things that are happening that are coming out uh, that we can't wait for you to be involved with. So stay tuned and uh, stay connected.